another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. Uh, real quick bit of uh, news. If you've been wondering where the heck we've been for the last month, uh, I need to do a little explanation. This wasn't one of our where we just mysteriously disappeared because we were kind of busy or something like that. Um, thanks to you guys, the listeners, you broke our website. So uh, it's both a good and a bad thing. <laughs> It's good in the fact that we have listenership, and that says a lot, so thank you very much. The bad news was the site that I was hosting this podcast on wasn't meant to, to take that much traffic at, at the, at, you know, all at once. So we maxed out the bandwidth on the, web, on the host server, and they pretty much, like a uh, disgruntled um, landlord, told us to get the heck out. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been working on moving servers. Thankfully, I found something that wasn't going to cost me an arm and a leg, so we can continue to give you this lovely show for free. So for that, thank you. Keep listening. Now we are, we're on a brand new server, unlimited bandwidth, so download and stream to your heart's desire. You know, and you can listen to Je my whiny voice and Jessica's, you know, lovely voice. Uh, just, you know, till, till, the, uh, till the cows come home, as they, as they would say. But on that note, Jessica, how are you doing? I am doing good. I am doing good. So I had a good weekend, mm -hmm. and it was wonderful. And just counting my time, my free time to marathon Daredevil. I've Other than that, doing good. I've only watched the first four episodes, so I'm taking that's my time. Three more. That's three more than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it it's pretty good. I hear people already come like saying it's like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going. You know, I can watch Arrow after watching this. It's like. Eh, they're two different things, man, and, you know, Netflix is not network TV, so they can get away with a lot more. Uh, you know, just, uh, unlike uh, Arrow, Daredevil, and this isn't too, being too spoilery, it's just a lot more bloody and stabby than Arrow is, so. Uh, but it's it's a pretty good show, though. It's a pretty good show. Uh, Jessica, when you get to the Kingpin episode, I think you're going to be thoroughly surprised how they handled him. Yeah, I've I've read I, I go through my Facebook news feed and someone posted a couple of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm already kind of looking forward to this incarnation of it cuz so far the one that we are most most of us are familiar with is Michael Clark Duncan, rest yes. in peace. Uh from the Ben Affleck Daredevil So Look, I still hold that the, the Affleck movie is a good movie, especially if you watch the director's cut where they kind of they 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 re, they remove some scenes. They change some scenes around. It's actually it's a lot of people. When the movie came out, I heard nothing but praise for it. Like, oh man, this movie's great. And then all of a sudden, it became cool to dump all over Ben Affleck. And then everyone's like, oh man, Daredevil blows. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's actually a really good superhero film. 
yes, admittedly, Jennifer Gardner not, was not the greatest choice for Electra. I think everybody will agree with that, right, right, Jessica? I'm sorry, Jennifer Garner as what, as Electra? Yes, was I not, was not the cut out choice. right there. Sorry, uh, Jennifer Garner as Electra was not the greatest choice. Yeah, she was not, I mean, she's a very beautiful, talented woman, mm -hmm. but she wasn't, I think, what most people's first choice would be. I understand that Electra was more of a Greek-Asianist, you know, descent for yeah. for those, but I think they went, They people picture somebody a little bit different. Yeah. Physically, think, physically looking. Well, not even that, but it was a matter, I think it was just because uh, Alias was, was so popular at the time. I think they're like, oh, uh, butt-kicking girl, okay, let's get the girl from Alias. It's like... Yeah, yeah, you you were no, you wouldn't be the you weren't even the fifth choice I would have made for Electra. So, but hey, you know, Ben met his wife out of it, and if if anything, if people who still dump on that movie, if the worst you could take away from it, or the best you could take away from it, is the fact that it hooked up John Favreau with the people that would start Marvel Studios, and because of that, we got Iron Man. So there, there. Yes. Yes, and actually, I was never a fan of Daredevil's armored type suits, yeah. two color type suits. Mm -hmm. I prefer a one, like a one solid color. Like and this, you know, people have their yeah. preferences. Some people like, you know, black and gray on Batman. Some people prefer the blue, the Neil Adams blue. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer the full red. Yes. And so, I mean, maybe the suit could have been better, but I kind of like Ben Affleck's suit better from what I've seen. Yeah. I obviously, since I haven't seen Marathon, all the episodes, mm -hmm. from what I've seen has been all of the teasers that I've seen of this mm -hmm. Charlie Cox's, this one, mm -hmm. the current Netflix's Daredevil suit. And it seemed, first of all, I couldn't see the horns. I was like, no, where, no. where is this going? Well, and at first I thought I, w I thought I was looking at Ant-Man. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> like, well, I was really tired. Yeah. So... And then it just, it looked different. It looked armored. It looked a little bit more different. I think some people will like it. I some, think some people won't like so, so, it. So you're talking, I won't know until I see it in all of its glory. You're talking about the promo that aired right, like, the day before it started that actually revealed the outfit, right? Yes, yes. Not okay. his prototype. His prototype yeah. is fine. The ninja outfit, which... His, yeah, the ninja outfit's fine to me. That one's fine. Which is weird, because here's the thing. With his little pants. Yes. Oh, yes. It, 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 look, all it is, it literally is the outfit. Like, someone, whoever was in charge, I don't know if Drew Goddard, who was putting the show together, was a fan of The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which if you've never seen it, go look it up on YouTube. It was the attempt to actually make a Daredevil spinoff show through that. So they had a movie after the Hulk series, the Incredible Hulk series ended. So it was Bill Bixby, Lou Fregno, and they did two TV yep. movies. Yep. featured characters, so they were going to do a Daredevil show and a Thor show, and they introduced him in The Incredible Hulk as backdoor pilots for these movies, and Daredevil was pretty much, well, as yep. you see him in the pilot, or as you see him in the most of the show, guy in a black, black. outfit. With Wearing the, a black suit. Black yep. suit with the ninja hood over his head tied off. Very similar to the ultimate look that they would use later on in the Ultimate Comics, but yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, when I saw them, like, oh, wow, and people were like, oh my god, what the what the heck is this? Cut, smash cut to today on Twitter. I'm flipping through, uh, you know, just looking. It's like, ah, oh, see, you know, I'm I'm only so far in. I've seen people like loving the the end of the second episode. I won't I won't reveal why, but there's it's an amazing cinematography shot. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, there's people going on about like, yeah, the show is great. 
until he put the suit on. Then it felt so weird. I kind of preferred the black suit now. I'm like, he did, ah, okay. So everyone complains about the black suit. And when they finally see it moving, they're like, oh yeah, we like it. We like the show's going. Now that he's got the red suit on, it's like yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right anymore. It's like, so it goes to show you, nerds, geeks, the hardcore fans have no idea what the hell they want until they actually see it. So. And Charlie Cox's face, like, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a cute man. Mm-hmm. I, I loved him from Stardust. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Looks great when he's wearing the red sunglasses mm-hmm. or, you know, his glasses. You know, looks great wearing a ninja outfit, ultimate, mm-hmm. I prefer. Uh, in the suit, something about his face, his jaw, and his nose just doesn't look right. The way it shaped yeah. to his face, it doesn't look right. Ben Affleck's head actually looks a little bit better in the mask, the cowl. Yeah. That's well, the Daredevil. Because yeah, they, um, well, Affleck's something wasn't... about the face. <laughs> well, because it's, uh, I think it's because unlike Affleck's, Affleck's did not connect to the rest of the suit. It was just the top. It was like a helmet, like like kind of like it was the whole thing was like a biker style outfit. This one has more of like the Batman thing going on, like like the later Batmans where like, the mask is connected to the rest of the body. It looks like. And I think it's a form, like a molded head too. So I think that's what's throwing everything off. Like the, it's a helmet and everything molded into the into the outfit. So that's why I think it's throwing everything off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think Christian Bale, fine mm-hmm. without his mask on. As mm-hmm. Batman, that mask is made a little bit too narrow around his mouth. Oh yeah, oh very much. So, so. like, yeah, it it looked like weird. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton's face, his jawline, everything looked great. Mm-hmm. In the cowl. Michael Keaton's face was great. It was very well done. And it's because he's Michael Keaton, too. You can't you can't mess with perfection. That's Mr. Mom right there. <laughs> he's gung ho. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so the... that was that was my weekend. I'm just counting down hours until I have a chunk of free time to do that. Well, uh, I think you'll be thoroughly thoroughly surprised with, with what you see. So that just means we're on the countdown to Avengers as well. But yes. Uh, also, uh, we have to make mention we were at WonderCon last week as well, and Jessica had several panels that she got to that she was a host for, which had her running around up and down the Anaheim Convention Center like a uh, firefighter running to a uh, fire. So, I, yes. Uh... And not only that, but you're very popular there. It's like uh, the the three times I ran into you, and we got to talk, we sat down. It didn't seem like the more than two minutes went by where it was like, oh, hey, I, I gotta go say hi to this person real quick. Like, just, it's like, who don't you know here? That's, that was more of the, the key thing. No, there's plenty of people that I don't know at the conventions. There's plenty of people. <laughs> but you're always making new friends, though. So I, there's only an eventual time where everyone, you're like, for a better or worse term, you're the norm of conventions from Cheers, you know. Uh, where everyone just walks in, they just go, Jessica! And then you go sit down, you know, at whatever table you're at. So yeah, that was my lame joke. Alright. Let's get down to some business, because we got a lot to talk about. So. Yep, yep. So Jessica, what do you want to hear first? Do you want, we want to talk about the comics? Or do you want to talk about the hotel? Ooh, the hotel. Let's talk about the hotel. So tell the good people about the hotel, Jessica. There is a Godzilla hotel in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's in Shinjuku. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Um, yes, in, in a region of Pacific State, and I will not 
I can picture how to spell it, but I will not try to pronounce it. I will offend everyone mm-hmm. who is Japanese or can speak the language. But um, it is a great, it's a really awesome, um, I've been trying to track its opening day. I knew that it was a Godzilla hotel. And what I really loved about it was the fact that there are certain rooms that you can get where his foot's in it. Uh. So it's closet like he's breaking through, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But then there's also across the street where you can get rooms. So when you look out your window, Godzilla is there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a friend of mine, when we were talking about which room was better to get, and my conclusion is it's easier for you to see Godzilla from different angles and different heights. Mm-hmm. But to actually be in the like – if, like if you only had enough money to pick one hotel room yeah. to stay at, I think I'd rather pick the one where his – going through the wall yes because that, that because that, i think yeah that one's more different mm-hmm. i think you can always see godzilla from outside yeah, oh yeah it's almost like a vegas like, like a classic 90s vegas hotel it's super themed and you almost kind of wish there was a casino inside of this thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. you just imagine like yeah. waitresses walking around like little mothra outfits and stuff like that like uh the people are forced to wear like anguilla's horns while they're playing roulette like, I'm imagining, like, <laughs> instead of that little folded towel swan when you come in that's on your bed with mm-hmm. the chocolate, it's going to be, like, Godzilla folded with from a towel with, like, a little green, like, mochi shaped like Mothra oh, next to awesome. instead of a chocolate. I think, like, everything should be, like, themed in that way. Well, excuse me. <clears throat> there is um there is something someone tweeted from inside the what the rooms that a lot of the windows they're f- at least facing on the cityscape are stained glass so they have etchings in them that match the proportions of the city so it looks like when you look out the window the monsters are actually attacking this or they're fighting in the city cuz they're just they use the force perspective on it and they line up just perfectly with everything That is so cool. Yes. Also, have they thought what happened if the city skyline changed? I don't think they thought that far, or they figured they, you know, <laughs> they'll probably just update as it goes along. Like, oh, there's that tower there; it's blocking Ghidorah's silhouette. So, yeah, we got to go spend a couple hundred grand to fix this. Because I'm pretty sure, because the whole thing came about, uh, they had like the grand unveiling for the head and everything, and uh, naming Godzilla the official ambassador for Shinjuku too. So they're, I think they're expecting this to be like a big tourist. It's almost, it is almost Vegas in some way where it's a kitschy tourist destination now. Uh, but, you know, I, they're, I guess they're hoping like a bunch of silly foreigners like you and I will come and stay in the Godzilla Hotel. Which now... Oh, hell yeah. It's like $345 <laughs> a night. It's not too bad considering what you would pay for certain, for the nicer hotels in Vegas though. If you really think about it. So one night alone, you, if you can do one night, that's still a night you've stayed there. So you're not going to be spending a whole week there, but uh, I'm going to just say challenge accepted, and sometime, hopefully in the next like, three or four years, I will make it there. Yeah, and then just I wouldn't even leave the hotel room. <laughs> I would just stay in there all night and get like room service because mm-hmm. you want to be able to stare at his foot for as long as possible. Because every dollar was spent. I almost to get hope, that room. There's part. There's portion. I really hope that they made the room with like the big foot in it, kind of like uh, like a governor suite that you can actually. The foot is shaped, molded into the bed, so you climb. It's almost like like a five year old's bed. That's like you know like a race car bed, and you get to climb and sleep like on top of his foot, kind of thing. 
I think it literally just goes through the wall. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's probably just like exploding through and be like, you can take like cool pictures with, but there's, I don't know. The child in me dreams of sleeping on Godzilla's foot now, though. <laughs> on top of his foot or yeah. under his foot? No, no, literally the bed would be molded, like the bed would be like placed inside okay. the foot. So you have to crawl over his toe or, you know, over the side of his foot and then you hop into like a nice bed that's actually like cradled inside of his foot. So like the top, okay. the, the top, okay. the, the top epidermis would be gone. It'd be nothing but silk satin uh, bed sheets and a pillow. Okay, because I was gonna say it's no one's dream to be got to be under Godzilla's foot. No, no, unless you have a death wish. Because that is terrible. <laughs> yes, so unless you have a terrible, terrible death wish. So, but uh, now, now that just it ups my need to go to Japan even more. Now, it's just I, nah, I gotta visit there. I've had too many people tell me, "Oh yeah, it's so awesome, you can go." I gotta go stay in the Godzilla hotel and. And because I'm cheap, and because it's so Japanese and kichi, I want to go stay in a capsule motel after that too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. capsule, yeah. yeah I yeah. love the idea of it. For it's just like I get a bunk. Like I know that I'm, I'm I'm a Westerner. I should demand more. It's like no, something about that little bunk that just closes. I feel like I, I'm. It would. It feels like I'm in one of the things in uh, like when they're transporting everyone on the cruise ship in uh, Fifth <laughs> Element. You get those little things you get to sleep in. That's what it seems like. <laughs> so, all right. So, awesome. Godzilla Hotel. Just Japan just keeps making reasons for us to keep wanting to go there. And, you know, as much as I hear everybody was like, oh, come out to L.A. It's like, no, no, no. You can't go to Japan where it's tomorrow all the time. <laughs> it's always tomorrow. Something new is always arising there. So, let's move into some comic news, Jessica. Yes. All right. Well, first things first. Um... We know that Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, is coming to an end very soon, uh, this June. Uh, Chris Mowry just, I think he Facebooked the literal, the end that he typed on the script. So, uh, we, uh, we, we, have, we actually sat down with him finally. We, we got an interview with him at WonderCon. It'll be on the next episode. So, the next episode will mostly be that, and I got something else lined up for that. So, it'll be pre-taped for, you know, from, from then. So, but look forward to that. In the meantime, we have to look forward to IDW's next offering. And Jessica, it's a uh, it's an ambitious offering to say the least. And something that when I when I heard it, I was very excited for. It is. It is. It was a title I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. But it was basically Godzilla goes to hell. Yes. <laughs> it's and called... I'm kind of like, does he fit? And secondly, I mean, you know, if you believe in the whole, there's seven layers, you know, there's seven mm-hmm. levels of hell. Mm-hmm. He's probably so big, he just, when he stands upright, he's in all seven. <laughs> but I was like, oh, how? Because I don't know whether it's a physical journey, mm-hmm. like journey to the center of the earth, or if it's like a spiritual thing, like a limbo, like when Harry Potter is dead, but not really dead. Well, spoiler alert. I guess if you don't know by now, you spoiler should know. Spoiler for a like, six-year-old movie. Is, is Harry Potter like, yeah, is he in and out of limbo? So I'm interested to see kind of how that goes, the setup for that is. Well, the synopsis kind of gives it the fact that, it, well, here's the thing. It's five. It's a five-issue miniseries and uh, pretty much each issue is going to be written by a new person. So the first issue is going to be written by James Stokoe, who did uh, Half-Century War, and I believe he's doing mm-hmm. hard for it. I, so it's pretty much 
a new team gets to do you know an issue which is an overall arc so they might I, I they haven't really explained how they're going to do it if it's going to be a continuing story or if they're doing like the Dante seven layer you know seven levels kind of thing but I was going somewhere with this I lost my train of thought hold on a second uh, 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 oh yeah so Godzilla in hell uh, uh, yeah to what you were saying I think it's actually a physical thing because they the, the synopsis... I think it's physical, too. Yeah, yeah. from he, what I've read, I think it's physical. Godzilla wakes up in hell and doesn't know how he's there. I love the fact that he just wakes up and he's just like, I'm in hell. Why am I in hell? I'm not a human. I have... this, Which really begs the question, is like, does Godzilla have religion? You know? Yo, does he have a soul? And yes. if, you know what have been more? The follow-up should be Godzilla tries to get into heaven, oh. Constantine style. Yes, the redemption, the redemptive arc of Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla doing odd jobs to buy his way back into heaven because he knows where he's going in the end. <laughs> <laughs> he takes takes up chain smoking because he doesn't care anymore. Oh, Just really gosh. bitter. <laughs> I could definitely see that. I could just like like a three issue follow up to all that. It's like got a little scene where he's going. So now he's on a uh, a quest to redeem himself, but not in the way you would think. Like he's just taking out like demons and performing exorcisms he's not supposed to be doing. <laughs> but yeah, you know that does beg a good question. Does Godzilla have a soul? I guess this does answer it. I guess Hell accepts giant monsters as well. So I guess dogs and cats and all the other stuff are just as good then too. That's sad. I mean, to think about the dogs and the cats. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I am, I am interested. I am interested in seeing how all the different writers are gonna link it up. Well, James Stokoe doing the first issue should be pretty insane because that guy is, as I've as I've described, he's like Miyazaki if if he was a pervert. So <laughs> <laughs> he kind of draws the way. This seems like it seems like he has that that kind of style to himself. And his stories are just completely, just for better or worse terms, batshit insane. So, um, but yeah, no, no. I this when I heard this, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be awesome. Um, they have alternate covers coming out for him too. That the they really they revealed the first one that Jeff Zornow did, and uh, I was talking, to, or we were both actually talking to uh, Mark Hadamio at um, Monster Palooza when this broke, and uh, he was like, oh man, when you know, like when I heard about that first thing. He brought up, which I don't know if a lot of people know. I know some. I know hardcore fans do. Uh, back in the seventies, I believe it was Henry G. Serpentstein. I might be having. I might. I might be off right now. It's a little late. I don't have. I don't have the exact stuff in front of me. But if uh, my history recalls correct, at least at one point AIP was going to do a movie called Godzilla vs. the Devil. It was part of like a a plan thing that was going to go along with uh, eventual Godzilla vs. the Gargantua film too, where Godzilla literally fought a giant incarnate giant living incarnation of Satan himself. The project never got off the ground. So that's kind of what this whole series is kind of invoking. And the Zorno cover, which uh, Mark said he's like, that guy loves like Devil Man and the works of Gona guy. So when he saw that it's like, this is just perfect for you know, it fits in. And it's done in the classic uh <coughs> excuse me, I almost said ECW. <coughs> and I just got a little cough right now too. My apologies. The classic EC comic style, so that gritty Tales from the Crypt look to it too. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It this is this is the one. Th this is something I loved. The, the why I love why IDW has this license 
Um, as much as some people might agree or might disagree that when they, f I don't know, Jessica, what did you think of the first series of uh, the Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters? I liked it. You liked it? It was good. Yeah, but, I liked it. But yeah, it wasn't. It didn't knock your socks off, though, right? Yeah, I expected. I think something a little bit different, but it was still good because the default is Godzilla. Mm -hmm. So, like I tell people, even a terrible Batman story is still somewhat still Batman. lovable because it's default Batman. Mm -hmm. So I'm already like five points there. Yeah. I'm already like fifty percent percent there. It's, it's but the... yeah. It was it was different. Yeah, it's how it's why it's how Kevin Smith defends uh, uh, Batman and Robin, even as bad as it is. He's like, hey, it's you know, it's gay. it's it might be gay Batman, but gay Batman's better than no Batman. True, true, this true. Is true. Batman's Batman. Doesn't matter how we get him, we, as long as we get Batman. Um, but uh, no, but you know, they have slightly picked up. The one thing I will say that you know, because um, my two favorite s series so far. Have been uh, rulers of Earth because you could definitely tell it was it's written and done by two hardcore fans who know the history. They got all the minutia in there. That's why you know I love talking. Uh, I, I love talking to Maori about it because he's like, oh yeah, so we're doing this, throwing a little bit of this in, and it's like they get all the they get all the pieces. And then James Stokoe's uh, Half Century War, which was just the format it was told in was brilliant, and the art and the storytelling. Like he he also has. Like an understanding for for the material too. It obviously, shows he's a fan, but it was done in like a just a, such a brilliant way as well. Everything else has been has been really good. But we're, the point I'm getting to, long story short, because I'm rambling, uh, is this. This is what I want to see. I want to see something. I want to see like this kind of creativity. It's like, okay, we're not just gonna do like another you know basic monster on the rampage kind of thing. We're, we're kind of going to go wacky. And I like that every once in a while. Cause I, I do like the wacky stuff, like smog monsters, stuff like that. So playing around with things like that, this Godzilla going to hell is, is a brilliant idea, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, I am pretty excited for mm. it. <laughs> I, I felt like I just took all the wind out of your sails. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am excited for Godzilla Goes to Hell. Even when I told that to some of my friends, mm -hmm. they know, obviously, they watched the legendary 2014 one. Mm -hmm. But they were like, just from that alone, they're interested to see how it goes. Just from a writing perspective. Mm -hmm. They were like, really interested. All right. Well, that comes out in June, or July. Comes out in July, uh, after Rulers of Earth ends in June. On that note... This one I know Jessica's very excited about. We're both very excited, but I think Jessica's just a little bit more excited because she loves this movie. So we get Pacific Rim 2 in 2017. Next year we're supposed to get a uh, an animated series, which we haven't heard anything on yet, but I'm assuming we might hear something at Comic-Con. But not only that, Jessica, this coming October, we get something even cooler. We get a yes, we get a Pacific Rim comic book series written by Joshua Fiaco. Yes. And it's uh, called uh, Pacific Rim Tales from the Drift, which is kind of a nice little kind of like play on words. But uh, it pretty much... Um, did you read uh, Tales from Year Zero? Yes, I have. So that one continues that storyline. So it's a, it's a prequel story. It's a limited series. And pretty much it delves into you know the early days of the war with the uh, the dip, with the kaiju and the early uh, Jaegers, and the first bit of art we got, which is actually 
beautiful art. I love the art that they've shown so far. Is uh, Striker Eureka fighting a kaiju, and I would I'm ah, over the moon because I love the Striker Eureka design. I'm sorry, not Striker Eureka. Uh, Tactic Ronin. Just it's late, and they both look the same. So my bad on that. So Jessica, what you know that, that this is your domain. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the writer of of this uh, book? Oh, Joshua Fiacope, he did a lot of wonderful things for um, Marvel. Mm -hmm. And also, I knew him, because he also worked over at IDW, and I really liked, he started out with, I believe, with Tumor. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, from his writing, I guess he was kind of found from there, mm -hmm. I guess I would say. And then he just kind of kept moving up, moving up, moving up through the ranks. And I know that there was a brief time in which, and I guess we're going to mention this, his big one was he was supposed to be on a Green Lantern book with DC during mm -hmm. the New 52. Mm -hmm. And then for those that were following it, um, basically they went through a creative direction. I guess he was not really interested in going. And usually writers have to do pretty much what their editors tell them, you know? Mm -hmm. And then from there, and then it was a fast announcement. He was announced to do a New 52, like Green Lantern Corps or something on Monday. And then on Tuesday, he was no longer on the book. And the book didn't even come out yet. Wow. So it was one of those. And, I, and, if, and then since then, I've been kind of keeping on him and seeing all the other things he's been doing because I think he would have been great. Mm -hmm. He would have been great on a New 52. However, he did not. So there was that. Um, but, yeah, no, I look forward to I know that he had to keep it real quiet mm -hmm. for a while. Um, I know that he wasn't really allowed to kind of say he was doing Pacific Rim until recently. And it was one of those I was like, no, that's so awesome. It's something I wish I knew, mm -hmm. I knew earlier. <laughs> like, he did, um, he also did, uh, he did Echoes, mm -hmm. um, and he did I, Vampire, and Infected. He did a lot, a lot of really, really great stuff. So his, so his bread and butter is a lot of horror stuff then, right? Yeah, kind of. And a lot of, like, thriller. Mm -hmm. You know, and when he was over at IDW, he did, like, Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. You know, and he did, like, Ultimate Final FF. Mm -hmm. You know, Ultimate FF. I can't quite say Fantastic Four over <laughs> for Marvel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he is doing over at Oni The Life After, which is another series that he's doing, which is current. Mm -hmm. But for right now, he will be doing Pacific Rim. Which is being put out by Legendary's comic division. Yes. Yes. So, which is good. I, I, you know, I think we were lamenting back when we were, I think we were reviewing the the, the Blu-ray that uh, we were hoping the Legendary would at least keep this kind of going. And the fact that they kind of really didn't, you know, at least the comic, you know, comic verse, you know, they have a comic line, the, a comic company, they really don't do a heck of a lot with other than kind of like tie in with their movie stuff every once in a while and try to launch something that, you know, it seems like a creator owned thing that does, doesn't seem like it goes anywhere. Am I being, am I too off on that? Um, say that for me one more time. Well, it seems like legendary. It seems like legendary wants to have a, a, a like a, a proper comic book company or at least a comic book mm -hmm. division. Yeah, but it yeah. feels like pretty much they're just using it as like a promotional arm for like a lot of their properties, and every time they try yeah. to launch something, yeah. that doesn't really follow through. 
Right. No, no, I, I completely understand because they've had books by Mark Wade and Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like, why didn't more people know about this? Yeah. So, mm, you know, it was one of those where it could it could have been done better. It's, I don't know, maybe it feels like that you know, Thomas Toll, who definitely, this is like, he loves this kind of stuff. Maybe like he bit off a little more than he can chew, at least with company-wise with this kind of thing. I don't know. It, it seems like yeah, at least, hopefully they do, you know, pursue this. You know, at least you know put out because you know, this is only a five issue, I believe it's five six issue limited series. So it's not going to because they're already trailed, uh, trampling into territory that the uh, cartoon's supposed to cover. But uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have a little something here and there. Uh, you know, if you got a comic company, use it. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. All right, well, it's going to be exciting. That comes out November, so keep an eye out then. And then hopefully, I'm predicting Comic-Con, we will hear something about the animated series. So, because um, uh, I think Del Toro, Del Toro's new movie, Crimson Peak, comes out in October, and I think they said he gets, I think he mentioned in an uh, interview that he's going to start work on pre-production on Pacific Rim 2, like, literally after that, so, like, that November. So, by this time next year, we'll be discussing the, um, all the filming stuff that's going on, because I, I got a feeling that's when it's going to happen. So, yay! Um, on that note, Jessica, you know what else we'll, we'll be talking about this time next year? Oh, is it Godzilla 2016? It is Godzilla 2016! Ah, man, look at that. You, you're, uh, you're reading my mind. Well, the big news this past week, which had our entire fandom in a tizzy, which would be describing it in the most softest words I could think of. Uh, Toho officially announced the creative team for Godzilla 2016. And uh, depending where you stand on uh, <laughs> anime, at least, uh, you are either a huge fan of it or you are super snarky about it. Because there weren't people outright hating it. There just seemed to be, like, such just just apathy and, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It's one twenty in the morning as we're, as, we're, as we're recording this, and just people were just so bitchy and just they full on nerd like nerd raged out on certain things and I was just kind of bashing my head against my keyboard because you either really loved it or you were just like oh god I can't believe they did that so let's break down what happened March 31st Jessica Toho makes an announcement that they have they have picked their creative team for their brand new Godzilla movie for 2016. Unfortunately, in the United States, that date right there makes people very uh, uneven because what follows the next day? April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Which is April 1st. Yes. Yes. So a lot of people were like, wait, is this this an April Fool's? And there were a bunch of people saying, no, it's confirmed, it's confirmed, it's, it's this. Other people were like, uh, I don't know. You might want to be careful because think of the international dateline. Which then other people were like, they, they don't do April Fool's <coughs> in, in Japan. <coughs> Pardon me. Got a cough again. Um, 
And so there was like there was like a good like four hours. It was it was almost like like it was almost like the Kennedy assassination. No one knew what was going on while stuff was going on. It's like is is he alive? Is he dead? Did they have the shooter? We don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on. So finally, after the initial news broke and nobody could link any source to it, Toho finally put out a big announcement like later that evening. I guess they they announced it on a, a TV show in the morning, and then the Wall the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal in Japan printed it too. So people were like, "Okay, no, it's not an April Fool's gag. This is legit." So we have our directors, as I put for better or worse terms, uh, of the new Godzilla movie. And one of them is uh, Shinji Higuchi, which a lot of people were actually really rooting for. They're like, this is the guy that needs to make a Godzilla movie. Uh, you don't know that name. Uh, he is one of the founding members of Gainax Studios. He worked on Neon Genesis Evangelion. More importantly to our fandom, he was the special effects director for the Gamera movies. So, if you love the effects and all the awesome shots that were in the Gamera movies, he was responsible for them. Uh, Sasuke Kenko directed the full movie, in better terms, but mostly the human stuff. Then, or, uh, uh, Haguchi has moved on to direct feature films. He directed a movie called Sinking of Japan, which was a big effects-heavy film. It was a big natural disaster film. And currently, he is, <coughs> excuse me, directing the Attack on Titan movies. Uh, actually, I think he's finishing up because they're coming out in August and September, and he's also going to be directing a few episodes of the live-action TV show they just announced that tie into the movie. So, uh, Jessica, by the way, did you see... Have you ever seen Attack on Titan? I have. I have read them all. Okay. Including the tie-ins, mm-hmm. but not the novels yet. Yes. And I've also watched the entire anime series. So I'm fully caught up, and I've been watching their little teaser clips for the for the live action movie, mm-hmm. uh, creepy mm-hmm. Titans are creepy, mm-hmm. but you know my friends um, are interested to see kind of what he would do with Godzilla because they were like we haven't quite seen the Attack on Titan movie yet. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna see how he handles Godzilla. Yes, uh, to that, to, uh, so so that so a lot of people were like, okay, cool. It was this announcement that put people on edge. The other director of the film, which I'm going to t- which they have, which Toho's kind of, you know, positioned him as supervising director, which says that he's going to, pretty much he's going to be directing the human aspect of the film, and uh, uh, Haguchi will be directing the effects portion of the film, uh, even though he has, you know, full director credit. Pretty much, I, they're trying to figure out a way, we can't do co-directing, I guess, in Japan or something like that, but... It's not a Russo Brothers thing. It's not a Russo Brothers thing. So, yeah, they, 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 they've kind of split hairs over this whole thing. Uh, but anyway, he, this man will be directing, supervising directing officially, and writing the screenplay. It is <coughs> Hideki Anno. And if you do not know that name, shame on you. I, why are you even listening to this podcast? If you're into anything Japanese at all, you should know that name. Because pretty much he's the man responsible for in many ways, exploding the anime industry in the mid-90s. He is responsible for possible, or what many would consider the greatest and most frustrating 
uh, anime series of all time, Neon Genesis Evangelion. He co-founded uh, Studio Gainax, which was one of the hottest uh, anime studio in the 90s up into the 2000s. They've done a ton of stuff. He got his start, I don't know, got to start uh, working on a Miyazaki movie. He worked on, uh, um, uh, uh, oh God, Nausicaa. And the Valley of the Wind. He he animated the uh, the Titan, the the giant God Titan attack sequence, which uh, Haguchi would later on go and direct a live action version of, which was called I think uh, uh, Mighty God Appears Over Tokyo. I'll put the I'll put that in the show notes if if you haven't seen it. Yet. It's amazing. It's tied into Studio Ghibli, so it's all great. Ano, on the other hand, brought people like, um, is is he gonna make this like really an- angsty and this is not gonna make any sense because Evangelion towards the end makes no no goddamn sense whatsoever. To which a lot of people were like, no, he's not he's not gonna Evangelion up Godzilla. He's gonna make a Godzilla movie because the man's obviously a fan. So that is what led everyone to kind of bicker. And fight amongst themselves over this whole announcement. Before we go any further, Jessica, I need to know what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I'm going to be interested to see how I'm just going to call them co-directors. Yes, it's just going to be faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I is there much on their past history together? They came up together. They start. They founded. They founded Daikon Films, and then they, which turned into Studio Gainax. Okay. Okay, I just want to double check, mm-hmm. um, just to be sure, because it is late and my mind is this. Yeah, they are I think like, they, they because are, they've worked together in the past, mm-hmm. I think it can work out. Mm-hmm. If you're just throwing in two people that make almost no sense together, mm-hmm. that would kind of be an issue. Um, I think them together is, I think it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more interested in how this movie would be affected if there's any affection from after Attack on Titan. Because a lot of my friends here in the States who are not familiar with Haiguchi's work, they were like, but Attack on Titan hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And I go, but you saw Evangelion. They were like, but this one is live action and Godzilla is live action. Because mm-hmm. usually how we do it here in the States is we, we wait until like, a, like you know a director can do something real well and then you hire him for the next one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like a build-up. However, for this one, my friends were like, oh, I don't know, like, we haven't even seen his completed work for Attack on Titan. I guess they just went ahead with Godzilla. But I think it's actually going to, I think it will, should be okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's going to be, I think this is actually the best outcome that could have, anyone, that Toho could have picked. This kind of feels like they're, um, okay, to put it for better or worse terms, this is, this is, uh, Toho pulling a Marvel and picking the, the equivalent of, of the Japanese Joss Whedon to do their Avengers film. If that makes sense, what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Whedon would, you know, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, have Whedon do it, but then at the same time, like, well, wait, Whedon's never done anything of that scale before, could he do it? So, I mean, the man has fans, he's got a following, he's got uh, a, a body of work that, that speaks for itself. So, it's, A, this tells me that A, Toho is 
really serious about doing Godzilla this time. Uh, they're not rushing it. It's not... Uh, um, it doesn't feel like that. There's that we're going to have this one, and then there's going to be one a year after it, and you know, kind of what what we dealt with in the past, where we had a yearly movie. This feels like they're announcing it ahead of time. It's not coming out for at least another year, maybe year and some change, depending where they where they want to release it. If it's going to be a summer release or if it's going to be a winter release, we don't know yet at the time. But it feels like they're thinking, okay, domestic box office, then international. These two guys have uh have huge sway here in, in Japan, and they actually have a, a bit of a following outside of Japan. So, you know, at least fans out there will be able to enjoy it. Ano has directed live-action stuff before. Um, if anybody has never seen the live-action Cutie Honey movie, go find it, go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, admittedly, uh, is it a perfect film? No. But he, he brings a freaking anime to life in a way I've never seen done before. So, I mean, it's not like Speed Racer. This is literally like he made a, like he had actors act out various anime sequences and even got the shots and everything perfectly. So he's very adaptable at at doing stuff like this. He's also a giant nerd too. And Godzilla is well within his repertoire. He knows knows the material. He knows everything. So, if anything, he will create a very interesting... Uh, Godzilla film, especially if he's writing it, it will at least it's going to be different. I, I I got a feeling that's what it's going to be, and if for you know, that's kind of what we need right now. We don't need a rehash of what we got with the Millennium series, where it still felt like Toho was kind of like figuring out what to do with it. It's just like, yeah, we assign people to it, and we'll just have them crank it out. I think that was that's part of the problem of what we've had to dealt with with the last twenty years of Godzilla movies, where you know they're all just studio projects that, you know, they had their in-house directors do, and then, they, you know, they're like, hey, just go crank this out, we'll put it out next year, we'll make a small dime off it, we'll keep we'll keep churning them. Now it feels like they're doing something like when they kind of gave in to fan pressure and got and let Sasuke Kan uh, Kaneko uh, direct Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidra, that's, you know, there's a reason why that movie stands out so much. Um, you know, it feels like they're, they're doing that again, and they're like, okay, we're going to take our time, they got the, the legendary series is still going, so they have something that there's gonna you know they got a million a hundred million dollar uh, movie that they're gonna you know be compared to, you know the year after, uh, so they they want to do at least something of quality. They can't they know they can't match that, so they want to at least do something that stands out, something different, but still something uniquely Japanese. I can't wait for this. This. I, I got a feeling it's just going to be phenomenally awesome, and there, you know, if you look, if you want look at the gamma, just look at the, the effects in the gamma films. If anything, even if you don't care for the story too much, the effects are going to be awesome. Unless they're going to use full-on CG, then I'm going to be really iffy because Japan still has not caught up with us in plausible CG yet. I don't, would you agree with that, Jessica? Yeah, which I'm really surprised because they are pretty much technology savvy, mm-hmm. we should say, and like the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I guess it's because my, a friend and I were talking about this. It's just, it comes down to manpower and money. Mm-hmm. We just, I mean, yes, the United States, we delegate some of our stuff out, but there was, there was no place like the U.S. when it comes to just 
won the space program. I think that's how my friend and I ended up on the talk of Hollywood and also CGI technology. Mm-hmm. It comes down to manpower and money. Mm-hmm. And Japan, I believe, has manpower, but with less people. Mm-hmm. They do have a negative population growth at the moment. Mm-hmm. And with financing, I, I believe the economy of Japan is not where they would want it to be. Oh, no. No, it's not. But that being said, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see how how Attack on Titan does. Um, knowing Higuchi's kind of, you know, he, he's an effects guy too. Um, I mean, what? See, go look at clips of Sinking Japan. I mean, it is a ten-year-old film now, but I mean, it, at the time, it was it was a it was a big deal, and the effects did look good in that. Um, I am still kind of waiting to see how the Titan effects are going to be pulled off properly with. Uh, with the new movie, because um, he did, Higuchi did direct the Subaru commercial that had the Attack on Titan tie-in, and it was actually his yes. test. Yeah, It was his test of whether or not he was going to go with uh, makeup effects and green screen, or go full CG. And after he directed that, that's when he decided to go full CG. So, uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, uh, the Toho did put out the the footprint of the new Godzilla, which is kind of a little more dinosaurian, like a T-Rex in many ways. Especially with the little vestigial tail, or the little vestigial toe on the side. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Um, but I, my hope would be if the, if they really want to do something kind of, like, unique, do what they did with, um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, it's late. I'm, sorry, I'm blanking on it. Where the Wild Things Are. Where you had a full suit actor, and you just CG'd the face. Like, Maybe don't have a suit. Maybe have a suit, but without the tail in it. And maybe you know, put like some mocap markers on the uh, on the face, so you can get a better facial you know movements. You know, you can you could do them post there. And then, much like Superman's cape, CG the crap out of the tail, so the tail's got a whole life of its own. That would just be how I would go about it. So that way, you have best of both worlds. But you know, that's just you know some fat guy in California thinking. So. That's not, uh, I'm not in charge, so we will, we will, I guess we shall see in the next few months. Doesn't mean it's a terrible thought. No, I mean, I, I know, and I know a lot of people are, are especially fans want to want the tried and true suit, especially, I mean, it, there is a good argument for it, the fact that we still have the Legendary series going, and we'll have a full CG Godzilla in those. You know, if Japan's going to keep making them, you know, stick st- uh, stick with the man in suit, but you know, <coughs> there is room for improvement. I mean, we have gotten better with puppeteering in, in many years. I mean, we can, they definitely can do better with, with a suit. And uh, you know, I not to be one to say to completely break away from tradition, but you can always have a happy medium. And you know, a little CG of a suit here and there, like like again, don't do the tail. Give the give, give the um, the, the performer inside the suit a lot more freedom to walk around. You're not dragging around a 60-pound tail behind you. You know, it, it'll give the, the suits a lot more functionality and, and movement and stuff like that. And then just CG the face, you know. Maybe leave half the mask off or half the, the, the mask off and just CG that, much like they did with Where the Wild Things Are. I mean, there was no... You see the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's just actors in these huge puppet suits with no head on them. It's kind of weird. They got teeny tiny little heads, big old bodies, but the the effect 
that was pulled off was magnificent, and that is not outside of the realm that's something Japan could do. I missed the last part of what you just said. <laughs> I was explaining how um, how uh, if Japan, it's not outside the realm for Japan to do something akin to where the wild things are, where they had you know if you look at the behind the scenes. Um, oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. You know, actors in big suits with their teeny tiny heads sticking out of them, and like a bunch of like mocap spots, so that way they can animate them later. Right, right, right. No, I understand. I mean, I think it is possible for them to do it. Mm-hmm. I just think it comes down to whether they want to, yeah. and again with money and manpower. Yeah. So. So just. Gonna... I just missed the last part. I didn't know whether that was a question or a statement. <laughs> Half the time, I, and nobody really knows what I'm saying anyway, so don't don't feel don't don't feel too bad. Uh, so Jessica, uh, I want to know what what you want what what you would like to see out of out of this film. Just you know, g- give me a rundown of what you're hoping to to see out of it. Well, for this one, all I want is more Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Because as great as the 2014 was. Mm-hmm. There was definitely, it, they were more like teasing you. Mm-hmm. You kind of saw him. I think it was infuriating when, like, you saw his mouth open and the door was closing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no! <laughs> like, I flipped, I flipped out. I was like, no! I was hoping it was just the tease in the trailer. But, nope, it actually happened. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, my friends always say, but it, all of that is made up at the end with the atomic breath when it shoots right into the mutual. And I was like, yes, but I would want more of that, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the film. You don't have to give me atomic breath every time. That's kind of like his Hail Mary end all be all. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I said, so I understand that. But I wanted to see more of him and more of the fighting and everything. So that's, I mean, I'm real simple. That's pretty much all that I want for the 2016. New monster or old monster? As a rival monster. Ooh. Um, for the rival or for what he would look like? No, rival monster. Like, you, you know he's going to fight something. Oh, yeah. I think a mix of an old and a new. So, so you... one older one, one new one. Oh. And I think the older one I would prefer as more of a, not a cameo, but like mm. a beginning fight. Ah. And then, but most of it will be of the new one. I like the way Jessica thinks. I like that. It's giving like, the, it's the, it's the sugar and the medicine. You know, to you know, swallow it down for like a new monster. I like that. I like, have introduced like a like a an established monster that people are already familiar with, and then work your way into the new one. That's uh, that's good. I like I like your thinking, Jessica. I like your thinking. <laughs> but would it be would it be any of the following? Would it be Mothra? Would it be Rodan? Or would it be you know, think they wouldn't use Mechagodzilla, but you know, any of the super popular ones that got kind of got you know. Uh, used up in the last, you know, few films of the Millennium series, or would you go with like something a little more obscure but still not, but still known? You know, would be really interesting, and they're never going to do it. Hmm. You open up with the Smog Monster oh, as yeah. a familiar dude, but you know, of course, everyone's going to go with like Mothra. I think it was a little bit too big because yeah. he's kind of like his arch nemesis. Well, so like you know, like. Rodan, maybe, or Mothra. But how weird would it be if it was like it opens up with a smog monster and then like some other actual tangible badass dude comes out after that? That would be really good because I saw someone had posted a picture of uh, the smog, like a 
comic that had been done of the smog monster and actually kind of showed what a potential smog monster could really be like bits of it like when Godzilla's blasting like its body is like it's kind of like the thing where its body is all you know bunch of organisms to, to, with one like hive mind so like if a piece of it flew off it could still fight back and stuff like that like like the eye could form into like a mini Hedorah of like half his head was blown away and then reform it would be like Clayface <laughs> like a Clayface monster <coughs> oh yeah 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 that yeah. would be really interesting yes you know, I I do think people have I, I Hedera definitely is something that really should be explored again. You know, the concept is too, especially for these days when we're all like environmentally conscious and stuff like that. The concept is very ripe for a uh, for at least a return of some sort. But uh, I, I I like that. I, I like I like where you're going with that old monster yeah. and then into a new monster. Yeah, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then of course it would be silly, but you would see like Geigen. <laughs> Or Geigen, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, just kind of walk in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you want like a little like on-screen thing where they're fighting all of a sudden you just see him in the back, just kind of wave his claw and then walk off. Yep, he just waves his claws and he walks out. Oh man, he's awesome. Guy, you know, uh, which which Geigen do you prefer? Do you prefer the old school Geigen or do you prefer the Final Wars Geigen? Old school. Old school. The big chickeny, yeah. big belly one. Yes. Yes, because he reminded me of a mutated chicken. This is before robot chicken. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing him, and I was like, oh, my God, he is my monster platypus. <laughs> he is like five things <laughs> into one. This is so dope. I think you just named our episode right there, Jessica. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> My monster platypus. I think that might be the that I think that might be the title. <laughs> so big Geigen fan. Did not know that about you. We, we we really should sit down and do an episode where we kind of go over our favorite monsters. I don't think we've done that yet. Oh yeah, yeah. We should do that. We I should think, do that. I think that might be. The we next... went through our favorite movies. We did. But we didn't. I don't think movies. we went through our favorite monsters. No, I think we need to do that. I think that might be our next episode when we sit down. All right. Well, it's getting late as we record this, and uh, yeah, I think we kind of talked on everything we need to do. Um, if anything else updates in the ne- next uh, couple weeks, we will definitely touch upon it. Like I said, the next episode is going to be all pre-recorded. You know, I'll have a little bumper in and out, but you're going to hear uh, us talk with the great Chris Mowry, so um, that's a nice teaser for that. And on that note, Jessica, tell the good people where they can find more of our work. Yes, you can go to facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Be our bestest buddy and click like. And we will do, we, I enjoy reading the messages and the comments and everything. And we respond. And so we're quite interactive. And Chris is wonderful for putting up all of the content. And he does so much of the work. We are also on Twitter as the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I mean, sorry, the Kaiju Kingdom. There is no podcast. Because the username was too long. Mm-hmm. We are also on Tumblr, full name this time, the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. And also, we, that's our email address, the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. If you are shy and you don't want to, you don't want to follow us on Tumblr or, or tweet us or, or comment on us um, publicly, feel free to uh, inbox and Gmail us. All right. And uh, where can they find more of your work? Oh, yes. 
Um, I am the comicbookgirl.com mm-hmm. and girlongeek.com. I'm also started another site called littlegeekgirls.com, and mm-hmm. it is dedicated to really promoting and cultivating the love for girls like born, well, you know, baby toddler age, mm-hmm. up until the age of 12. We oh. have, a, I'm planning on something separate in the future for those that, you know, will be in their teenage years. But to really cultivate their love for everything that society used to deem was more of a boy hobby. So, you know, things like, I don't know if Star Wars counted. I put Star Wars on there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, anything from like kaiju. Obviously, Transformers, Voltron, G.I. Joe. Um, nothing makes me happier than seeing a little cosplay pink Fader princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those wonderful things, you know, growing up. I saw a little girl the other day going to a Daredevil signing, mm-hmm. I guess, over at Midtown Comics. And she was like four or five, and she took a picture with Charlie Cox, and she was a little Daredevil. Aww. And it was so cute. And growing up, I never really had that support. Mm-hmm. You know, so because I was always told that that was kind of a boys thing, mm. but it's also it's got a great forum for parents who want to encourage their children, or parents helping other parents. If one parent kind of put together an Avengers birthday party for a little girl, and the other parent is like, "I don't know what I'm doing, help," then they can be able to help each other out. So there'll be like videos, interviews, tutorials, a few other things. And that's actually going to be coming up in about a week and a half to two weeks. I don't know. I believe this podcast, whenever this podcast comes out, it should be up two weeks after this podcast when it comes up. So go and check it. All right. So it's com. So, you know, we want to encourage the love of, of, of young girls everywhere. And so I thought that would be great. We don't, we don't want any more sad little lonely Jessies growing up. <laughs> oh, look at that. Jessica's fighting the good fight. Look at that. So, yes. Also, I want to say, if you have a son who identifies himself as a girl, he is free to come. All genders, all ages, everybody's coming. I don't want someone to be like, she's just being sexist. But everyone, everyone can come. I don't think anybody's going to find any offense to that. Uh, and, wow, now I feel like a bit of a jackass, you know, promoting my stuff because it doesn't have any, like, uplifting message like Jessica just had. But... Since I'm a self, uh, I'm a shameless self-promoter. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, you can check out my other podcasts over at therealmcast.com, where I kind of help run the show. Uh, we have several shows. If you like Flash, if you like Arrow, if you like The Walking Dead, if you like, oh, you know, Lake in Core. We got a Core podcast. So you can check out our rundown shows uh, for that. Uh, I host the Flash one, so if you want to hear me talk about, you know, the adventures of Barry Allen each week, which, Jessica, I know you love that show, right? Yes, I absolutely love the Flash. Flash. I adore the Flash. It's an amazing show. Oh, it's so good. You can hear me flip out over it every week over on that as well. And then uh, I host Take Two with my buddy George, where we talk about all the news in the week. And uh, we also have the Comics Unchained podcast with my good friend Sergio Sanchez and his buddy Whip Crack in Indiana. They talk about comics. Uh, and currently we have a, uh interview series going on with Eric Leewald, the creator and showrunner of the uh, Fox X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Fascinating story. I sat down with him for four and a half hours. Um, that's the other thing. You're going to hear a snippet. <coughs> pardon me. A snippet from that interview next week with the Chris Mowry interview. 
because uh, what I found out when I sat down with him that Mr. Lewald was one of the writers of the Hanna Barbera Ultraman cartoon that was uh, that never really got off the, got off the ground past a animated movie that was a, actually a couple of pilots put together. Um, I'm gonna put I'll put some uh, I'll put a link to the actual Ultraman. It's up on uh, it's up on YouTube. But if you've never seen it. It's actually a really amazing piece of animation you need to watch. It's Ultraman. It's got a little bit of Team America vibe to it, but it's a it's a fantastically well done uh, movie. It was made in like the mid '80s, so it's an odd piece of of to, uh, to, 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 Tokusatsu uh, history. But uh, he goes on about it for like a good half hour. So get ready to hear some bit of uh, history that was almost lost to the ages. So you have that to, to stick forward to. So yeah, look at that. Get two interviews. Two, two exclusive interviews. Uh, uh, Chris Mowry and Eric Leewald. I guarantee you, you guys will be satisfied with next week's show. On that note, that will do it for us for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. So for myself and... Jessica, hi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.